High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And uh, we sort of hopped straight into spring, so it's all summery and hot out there. And the good news is, in the slightly cooling down north of the world, things are hotting up like mad. So many new launches, so many new products. And of course, the big story this week is the new iPhones that were announced on Tuesday in the brand new Steve Jobs Auditorium in Cupertino in their spaceship building. So it really, um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just fixing up something here. So really quite a lot happening, but we're not going to talk Apple right now, simply because it's going to be part of our Tech Talk Cafe at 11.20. So tune in, hear all about the latest uh, and greatest from Apple. A lot of different products have been announced and some of them a little confusing. We'll answer all your questions. And joining me on the line, not in the studio, will be a, a renowned expert in this space, a certain gentleman by the name of Aki Anastasio, who some of you may or may not have heard of. Um, and uh, we'll be discussing the Apple releases and what impact they have and how they affect everything else that is going on. There's some real hidden gems in all that, apart from just the the, the gadgets and the gizmos and the handsets and the bits and pieces that you touch and feel. But we'll chat all about that at 11.20, so stay tuned for that. Now, some good news, which I briefly mentioned on the Drive Show on Tuesday, is that if you're a DSTV Premium uh, subscriber, so you've got the full DSTV Premium package and you've got an Explorer, either the Explorer 1 or the new Explorer 2, you now get Showmax as part of the package. So... You've, if you connect your Explorer to the Internet, and there are lots of ways to do that, I'm not going into that here, but they sell you or give you a little Wi-Fi box to connect your Wi-Fi network, or you can plug it directly into your, your router using a, a normal Ethernet cable. Whichever way you connect your Explorer to the Internet, it allows you to obviously use all their catch-up, which is a huge package of older programs that have gone off the sort of hard drive and they're not stored there anymore. But Showmax is part of that bundle. You can just quietly navigate to Showmax. Um, and uh, it is now for free. It used to be 99 Rand. They tried a special for 69 Rand, and now they're giving it to you as part of your bundle. The only little thing you've got to remember is that you've got to go to Showmax.com, and you've got to register. You've got to actually register, and then you there's an option to connect it to your DSTV account. So you also need to be registered on DSTV. All of this is not really that complicated. You can pick up all the information on the DSTV website and um, on the Showmax website. So if you go to either one of those websites, you can link it. And I must say, a lot of people have complained there's nothing to watch and some of the programs are not great. And I've heard comments that, you know, the SABC programs that are on Showmax were, were bad when they were originally launched, and now they even worse. But <laughs> that's not the point. The point is Showmax have done an incredible job of bringing a vast array of slightly older, six months to a year from release date product to the market, and they've got around about 25,000 different movies and shorts and a lot of BBC content, and yes, lots of old SABC content, and they're even starting some of their own original content. So it's, it's a great addition. So, for example, if you've missed Game of Thrones 1 to 6, only 7 is available on your DSTV decoder, but 1 to 6 is available on Showmax. There are a lot of great programs that are available on Showmax that are not available anywhere else anymore. 
And if you've got a decent internet connection and the Explorer and you've linked it all together, you can now expand your listening or viewing choice by a huge margin. So I think it's a good move. Uh, Showmax and DFTV have come closer. They were separate companies. They've now combined the two. So I expect to see a lot more synergy in terms of of what happens on DSTV and what's available on Showmax down the road. But we are getting closer and closer to the world of purely streamed content over the internet. So check it out. Go to the Showmax uh, website. Go to the DSTV website. Link the two together. And Bob's your auntie. You've got a huge catalog of streaming video on your decoder, which takes no effort to do onto your TV. Now, this is just an interesting story. I've long been a a skeptic about antivirus software. Antivirus software is something that, I don't know, it's bundled on lots of PCs. It's pushed because they scare you with malware and spyware and all this type of stuff going on. Not to say that the Internet is not a dangerous space. There are a lot of malicious code built into a lot of nefarious websites. And interestingly enough, if you spend a lot of time looking at some of these sort of rather controversial fake news websites, a lot of them are pure commercial uh, entrapment entities in many ways. They've got a lot of malicious code. Don't only they spread the lies that you read, they may well be hiding and infecting your computer because a lot of these websites are hosted and run by people that are really only interested in making money out of things. They're not in any way um, trying to spread news or create anything. So if you do go to a lot of those sites, sometimes, sometimes various antivirus programs will work. However, again, as I've said innumerable times on air over the last couple of years, if you keep your operating system, that's just Windows, whichever version of Windows you're running, unless it's XP and Windows 8, which is no longer supported pretty much, or Windows 7, which is no longer supported by Microsoft, if you keep it patched and up to date, you will find that the built-in antivirus on those platforms does an incredibly good job at, at intercepting and blocking all the really really bad stuff some of the real clever stuff it may or may not block but i must tell you in all the years and i go to a lot of websites for lots of reasons mostly for research i must tell you because that's my business but um i've never had a a virus i've never had an infection i've never had a problem Uh, the other thing is you if you just watch what you do on the internet and you're not clicking and uh, accepting links and emails and downloading programs that you have no idea what they are, you'll probably stay safe. But antivirus is has a place. There is some stuff available, and certainly I'm not knocking all of them. But a very interesting uh, article crossed my desk, and that is the American federal agencies have banned the use of Kaspersky software um, by any American federal agency. And there's even talk that Kaspersky product itself may be banned in the U.S. And for lots of good reasons. One, they maintain that there's a close link between Kaspersky and um, the Russian government. And uh, it was disclosed that Kaspersky are quite close to the Russian government, although they have definitely denied that at every single possible level that you can think of. And um, it, it I've I've spoken to the Kaspersky guys at many shows over the years, and they seem to be doing a credible effort. But in in, in many respects, there's a lot of risk in using third-party software to protect your PC. It gives them unprecedented access to your PC. So my personal advice is um, don't be entirely scared of third-party 
uh, antivirus software. But I will say that in most cases, just the built-in software and the built-in uh, ability to keep your operating system and all the various bits and pieces up to date would be the best defense or the first defense before you get going with all this stuff. So um, bef- let's just take a quick break for a, an ad right now. And I've got one or two live reads and we'll be back with some more news of the week right here on High. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Hi there and welcome. Great stuff. So now back to some even better news. Uh, and this is something that has been in the news for a while. The ICASA have issued a new uh, directive for comment by the various networks that one data is not going to expire in quite the same way as it did before. And these massive out-of-bundle data charges. So, for example, you buy a one-gig bundle, you're effectively paying, what, 14 cents a gig, uh, a meg for data. Um, but the minute you use up that one gig of data and you go into normal data, you can pay anything between 99 cents and two rand a meg, which is pretty expensive for data. Well, Celsi have announced as of yesterday they are tackling two major issues faced by data customers. The first one is they're going to reduce their out-of-bundle rates for prepaid customers on its lowest tariff. I don't know why anyone would be prepaid on an expensive tariff, but that's another story. Um, They would reduce those rates to 15 cents per megabyte um, out-of-bundle, and this will be effective from 1 October 2017. So their 66-cent prepaid product pretty much has one of the lowest call rates uh, per minute, and you can now get the 15 cents per megabyte bundle. Now, remember this thing. It's not automatic. You're going to have to dial star 147 hash and select option one to migrate to the plan. So it's, um, you know, it's not automatic. You're going to have to do it to opt in. But I think it's a great initiative. And if you're a postpaid customer, someone with a contract, you're also going to get um, on any of their connector plans. So you must check which plan you're on. We'll also get the out-of-data bundle rate of 15 cents per megabyte. But I must tell you something that ECOS is going one step further. They networks, and I don't know if Celsi do this. I will check. The network should actually stop your data usage once you've used up your bundle, and not automatically start charging you at a higher rate and expressly ask you to agree to pay a higher rate out of bundle or buy a new bundle. They've also extended the data validity from 30 days to 90 days on the 10 gig, 20 gig, and 30 gig bundles, which is great because you can't some months you go away, you don't do things. And they've also extended the validity on the smaller bundles up to 30 days. And, the, and that's also quite a good thing. I mean, some of the 100 meg bundles used to be one day, Now they're 30 days. So you can use up your data as and when you want. And I think it's just a a great – it's a great step in the right direction. And it just shows you that all it took was ICASA to issue their little directive. And here we go. Uh, Celsius is the first to respond. And I hope the other networks do the same thing. I do know that MTN and Vodacom have a slightly more generous policy. They do roll over data, I think, for up to 60 days on some of the bundles, not all of them. Um, and but they do have very very heavy out of bundle rate, and if they don't warn you, Telcom on the other hand does warn you. It actually allows you to set um, whether you should go out of bundle automatically or whether it should cease all data, and you can then go in and buy a new package or request that you go out of bundle. So the whole data must fall. The whole data must never die. Uh, 
campaign seems to be working, and it's entirely fair. There's no question that once you've paid for something, it's really not cool that at the end of the month, just because you didn't use that something, um, it, it expires and you lose it. I do believe that there has to be some sort of reasonable expiry. Otherwise, these networks would be sitting. This is the accountant in me talking. The networks would be sitting with unexpired bundles with billions and billions and billions of rands, and they'd have to accrue them as a liability, which is not great for shareholders. But that's just accounting speak from a tech guy, which is pretty weird. But anyway, moving on to the last little, little bit of news before we switch to Tech Talk Cafe and discuss the whole um, launch of all the new products from Apple. Um, Liberty Life launched the Stash app a couple of months ago. Now, Stash, just to give you a little bit of um, background, was essentially an investment app, but they made it super clever. They made it really easy to do. It has been on Android up to now, but I think on the 15th of uh, September, it's going to be available on iOS as well. And what it does is when you use your credit card, and they've somehow linked to all the banks in the background, every time you use the credit card and you get an in-contact or an SMS confirmation of spend on, on your various credit cards, and it's all the credit cards now and pretty much all the banks now, um, it automatically tops up or rounds up your spend to the nearest 50 rand or any amount that you choose. You can round up to 100 rand. You can round up to 10 rand. You control the spend, but it's default set at 50 rand. And um, guess what? It then takes that 13 or 14 or 15 or 10 rand or at most 50 rand and stashes it in a little investment account for you managed by, by Liberty and one of their more high-performing big company investment funds. And I must tell you, I've been using it for three months. I've stashed a couple of thousand rand already. No credit to me. It's all my wife spending money on my credit card. But that's, again, another story. But it, it's painless, it's seamless, and it's tax-free up to the limit of 30,000 rand per annum, which is n- not bad. And all they need from you when you want to take the money out, which you can at any time, is you need to be reekered or feekered or whatever it is. You need to send them a copy of your ID and proof of residence. And you can do that through the app using your camera. So very automated, very slick. And the news is that in the last few months, they have already um, the 15th of October for the iOS app. So right now it's only on Android where it works. Um, 15th of October you'll get it on iOS. They've now hit 12,000 users. And the vast majority are under 35, which is really interesting. Suddenly they've pulled in a whole bunch of people who really hadn't thought of investing in the stock market or investing at any level um, into the investment thing. So it's really clever. Go and have a look in the Android app store for Stash by Liberty. Try it. I think you'll find all you need to do to register is use your ID number and off you go. And it'll instantly stash as much as you want. I mean, you can link it to your sweat. You can link it to your heart rate. Oh, there's a whole million ways that you can link it to save a little bit of money. And these little bits of money, 50 rand here, 30 rand there, really do add up. It's just such a clever, smart uh, way to just save a little bit of money without noticing you're saving money because no one's going to miss 13 rand on a 44 rand or 43 rand bill. It's just neither here nor there. So it works with all the banks, and it's very, very easy. They say that the average user saves 175 months rand uh, every month, um, and that's approximately 2,100 rand invested every year. And as long as our stock market stays pretty reasonable, we should be good. So... 
Um, let me just give you one more live read because all of a sudden I must tell you, <laughs> it's you can see it's nearly the end of the Jewish year, so we're seeing lots of things. But coming up on the morning mayhem, this is cool. You should you should tune in next week. Well, that's I think this week, um, and I think going through into the following week, Kath, with Kathy Kayla, you can win a 55-inch LG OLED TV valued at least 20,000 rand. So listen out for the product-related question every morning to qualify, and it will be something to do with LG OLED TV. And uh, just listen. Now, my personal opinion, the OLED TVs are the next generation of TV. They really do have perfect blacks, and with perfect black comes perfect color. And the latest thing, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, HDR with Dolby Vision, which is actually better than even high definition. It, it brings a lot of brightness and color to the TV. So it's truly the ultimate display. So ask why it's better. All compliments of LG. So life's good. Right here and high. And tune in and try to get your own LG OLED TV. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break for uh, an ad break. And we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe. And joining us will be Aki Anastasio, who is quite the expert on tech as well. So we'll be back right after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Now we are going to start talking all about um, Apple. It's a very fruity business, but uh, they are quite a formidable power in the tech space. And joining me on the line is a certain gent by the name of Aki Anastasio. Aki, are you with us? Hello, Mr. Stephen Ambrose. I am indeed. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's actually quite a... I don't know why I thought haven't had you on the air with me before. But anyway, right now, here we are, two semi-tech-focused gentlemen. Uh, you do a lot of other things, but tech seems to be key to everything. And uh, my DNA. <laughs> either have it or you don't, that's what they say. So now, Ax, tell us a little something. What is your overall impression of what went down on Tuesday with Apple? You know, just the, the sense of where they're going and what they're up to, and uh, what what we're gonna, and then we can discuss specifically the products that they got yeah. into. Well, Stephen, I think it's important to just take a step back. I mean, these are the guys that uh, launched a phone ten years ago. That the likes of Nokia and the likes of BlackBerry uh, looked at it and laughed and said, "Who wants to touch a screen and you know use technology that way?" That was ten years ago. And Microsoft mocked them like mad as well at the same time. No, absolutely, and, and and you know, I mean, that that happened ten years ago, and and since then we, you know, the rest is history. And, and it's a, for me, that blows my mind. But it was just ten years ago that this happened. So fast forward to 2017, um, uh, Apple have a new range of phones. They've been launching them every year, but they've they've sold 1.2 billion devices of the iPhones to date. I mean, that is. That is a boggling number. I mean, that is just, it's hard to conceive of that many devices just floating around the world, considering there's only about 5 billion people that are using smartphones or phones, phones, not any phone. Absolutely. I mean, it blows my mind. And and it makes up two-thirds of Apple's business, iPhone sales. So this is how big and this is how important uh, you know the iPhone range is, and you know uh, Apple has this uh, has this event every single year. And I, I don't know about you, Stephen, but I sat in front of my television, and uh, which is an LG as well, by the way. <laughs> as, uh, Snap. And, and I, 
I'm on the same. I'm, I'm on the same uh, mindset as you about early. I think it is pretty spectacular. But um, I was streaming this event, um, and you know, actually using streaming for the first time in real effect because of my uh, recently connected fiber at, at my house. I've, I've literally had it for about a week. Unlike people like you, who've had it for like months now. <laughs> Years, um, luckily. But 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 you know, just watching that introduction to the event of. Apple Park, which is uh, Apple's new headquarters, which they haven't quite moved into yet. They will move in the next couple of months. But it is massive. It's something like 70 acres big. And on the side of this massive uh, Apple Park, which has got these massive glass panels all over it. looks like a spaceship, actually. It it, it does. They call it the spaceship. Is the Steve Jobs Theater, which which, seats a thousand people. And this was where this iPhone launch took place the other day. And, um, and so, it's just, uh, just spectacular, just beautiful to see. There's like people arriving at a museum, if you watch the beginning of this. Well, exactly. And I mean, they've got a display area which looks like the highest-end store you could ever imagine where people could wander in after the event, obviously, and play with the goodies. But let's get down to talking about yes. some really cool new gadgets. The first thing that he announced, apart after they talked about all their fantastic retail stores, which, unfortunately, we're not going to see in this country. Not that the local guys do a bad job, but certainly we don't have town squares in Johannesburg. They started talking about the new Watch OS 4 and Apple Watch 3. There's some big things coming in that regard. So what yeah. you, what was your take on the new um, Watch 3? And the, and, and the big announcement was it's got a built-in LTE SIM. Yes. Now, uh, you, you're a watchman. And um, what, what, what was of great interest to me is Sorry, Ux, we seem to be having a really, despite the fact you're on massive fiber, we seem to be having a, a really is choppy experience. How's this? Is this yeah, no, that's better? much better, much better, much better. You were saying okay. about, I know I'm a yes. bit of a watch guy and, and the yes. interesting stuff so, about the new watch. So what, what was interesting for me is when he first got on stage, Tim Cook, he says that we are now the world's biggest selling watch brand. Remarkable. Um, Remarkable. So, so they've, they've now surpassed, you know, all the big guys, including Rolex and Swatch and everything. Uh, I just need to verify all those numbers and how they get to that, but... You know, who are you to argue with Apple? When no, they they're not going to make an announcement like that to the world if they weren't sure of their figures. So simply put, the Apple Watch now is the biggest selling watch in the world. Correct. Uh, if, that's, if that's any way to go by. And I think with this new generation that they launched the other day, I think it's going to go even bigger. Because the, the, the one thing that, uh, that irritated people was that, you know, the watch needed to be close to a phone for it to work. Now they've launched this phone with, uh, this watch with cellular. And, you know, although they say cellular, it's not, doesn't mean you have a physical SIM card, which we'll talk about in a second, but the phone is, in the, the, the watch is independent of the phone. You can now stream music and you can take calls on the watch and, you know, the watch, and they've, they've basically kept the same size as the previous watch, more or less. Apparently, it's um, two with, paper pieces of paper thicker, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. So it's same look, yeah. same feel, pretty much the same size. And it's got built-in LTE. This was the little thing that was interesting. It's got LTE and UMTS, which is a high-end version of 3G. No 2G, no other systems available. But still, in most of the world, and even in urban South Africa, you shouldn't have a problem connecting and using that, that watch. And it's totally yeah. standalone. So the watch now yeah. is a complete standalone thing. Yeah, and, and, and I found it quite interesting because, um, you know, um, 
you can now use it for calls and uh, stream music, which is another big thing that they, they spoke about. And they also uh, they spoke about the health metrics. And, you know, a lot of the universities around the world are doing some very interesting work with the Apple Watch. And arrhythmia, for example, is the one thing, uh, the heart condition. So this phone is constantly monitoring your heart rate. And, and that's a big any, step. Any the kind of irregularities. The so previous ones step. only used to check your heart rate every now and then. And now the new yes. one is checking your heart rate all the time. It's constantly on. So they've, ha- they've yeah. made some major leaps in terms of battery life. They, get, they say the same battery life as before with cellular and constant heart rate around about 18 hours. So I think it's, yeah. it's quite a big jump in technology. But let's jump while we're talking. So the Apple Watch, look, there are going to be two versions. The first version is going to be the one without the SIM or without the virtual SIM. That's a whole yes. discussion for another time because that's a huge deal. No SIM, and yet it has got a SIM. Think about that for a moment. And the version with a SIM built in. When it'll come to South Africa is going to be another story altogether. And just warning, anyone who goes overseas and buys one, you're going to need your your provider, your cellular provider, to have the systems in place to activate that SIM with your current SIM. So don't buy an Apple Watch with a SIM overseas until it launches in South Africa because you won't be able to use it. And, and, and just so that we can also clarify, when we talk about different SIMs, I mean, the watch uses the same number as your phone, even though it's independent. So Correct. So it's it linked to your SIM. Digital, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so moving on. And then Apple then also announced something. We're going to get to the best last. But first, we're going to talk about something that I'm quite pleased about. And I actually think Apple are way behind the curve. was a brand new Apple TV. Yes, and I, you know, they've obviously improved it. They've added 4K to it, and, um, and they've also interestingly uh, squeezed, you know, squeezed that in as well. That uh, Amazon Prime Video is <laughs> coming to that. Been waiting for which that, which is uh, which is long, long overdue. And I think uh, you know, with Amazon being available here together with Netflix and the likes of Showmax and these people. I think that's a pretty big thing uh, for the Apple TV. Well, listen, since I got my 4K OLED uh, LG, I don't use the Apple TV because it's not 4K. It it doesn't have um, um, Amazon. So it's become a little bit of a useless thing. So as I said, I think they're a little late to the party, but they seem to have brought a, a brand new Apple TV and they've increased the mm. price by about five grand, which is not so – well, not five grand, 500 grand. Um, yes. Not such a great uh, thing, but the fact is it's always had great picture quality, and uh, they've done a lot of things to make it really good and up-to-date. Now, moving on to yes, the next big story. No, but, but, before, yeah. but before we go, Stephen, yeah. before we go, I think the other big thing as well that, I, that, that is, I think is massive, and this is the big shift that we're going to start seeing, is that in America, we're not, not necessarily going to see it here immediately, but the fact that they're now introducing more and more live channels yeah, on the Apple Yeah, you're quite TV, right. That is revolutionary. Including sport, um, <laughs> which is a really, really big thing. So, and, and I think that it's quite interesting to see what they're doing and with, uh, you know, with where television and viewing is going globally, I find that quite interesting. Well, there's a huge shift. In other words, television is no longer a broadcast medium via satellite or even cable, it's becoming an internet medium. And this is the first step in that direction because if you've got decent quality internet, you can live stream news and and, and sport, which is a big killer thing. A lot of people say they wouldn't have DSTV if it wasn't for sport. So you're right. It's a huge step in the the sort of disconnected, connected environment that we're moving into. Then came the big announcement and very keen to hear your thoughts on this. The new iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus. Give us your thoughts yes. on what they're doing there. 
Well, look, I think that uh, iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus have continued along the same trajectory. They introduced a new processor, so it's like a new model or a new version of a car. So like from um, the 6 to the 7? Yeah, it's very similar, but, but this one has got some distinct differences. Um, for example, the, the, the processor is a lot faster. They say between 20 and 70% faster, depending on what you're using it for. Um, the back of the phone is now, is now a glass finish, so it's, the, the back is the glass. The screen has slightly been improved. The camera has slightly been improved as well. But the big jump for me in, the, in just the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus is now comes with wireless charging. Again, it's about Apple time. not first do the party, but um, you, know, uh, you know, those of us who use wireless charging, um, it, it's, it's quite a big jump in the way you use your phone. That You can just put it on a pad without having to plug anything into the device to charge it, I think is really easy. And interestingly, they really there was a lot of rumors that, as usual, Apple would do their own thing and they wouldn't adhere to any standards. But they actually have endorsed and used what is called the Qi standard. And that yes. is available pretty much anywhere. Um, uh, Samsung used the Qi standard. Um, the new BMWs, I tried one the other day, comes with a Qi charging pad right there in the dash. You just pop your phone down and it charges. And I've seen it at Starbucks overseas and many other places. So it's a u- pretty universal standard. And Apple have uh, agreed or considered that to be the one that they use. And that should make a huge difference. Suddenly you're going to see charging pads popping up everywhere. No, it's just a, such an incredible revolution, eh, Stephen. I mean, just think about it for a second that, you know, Everything today is almost wireless. Uh, I mean, you've got wireless printers in your home. You've got wireless uh, devices in your ears. So there's like the, the, the notion of plugging a cable into something is going to be obsolete in the next decade uh, at the speed at which it's going. At. 100%. And it makes perfect, perfect sense. They did announce their own proprietary charging mat for coming out sometime next year, which means you can charge your watch your uh, phone and your headphones if you've got them all on the same little charging mat but that's a new standard which they say they're going to work with chi to try to introduce to everybody so looking forward to that that should be really really interesting but there are two models of the iphone 8 obviously the iphone 8 which is the smaller one 4.7 inches if i'm correct and the big 5.5 inch uh, iphone 8 plus and again not very different looking to the current range but much faster with enhanced all the insides and bits and pieces. But we have one more thing. <laughs> they, always, they always use that line. Like we, everyone's waiting for it. It's like the standard line, you know. We have, one, we have one more thing. And the one more thing had a big X in it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know about you, Stephen, but uh, iPhone X pronounced iPhone ten. They had to do something. It's the 10th anniversary and create something special. But Tim Cook got on stage and says that, you know what? We have broken rules. We have innovated in the last 10 years. It's time to introduce to you a smartphone that is going to innovate for the next 10 years. And that's how he announced the iPhone 10. Which is and, a huge, uh, huge, huge claim. Yes, no, it's a, it's a massive claim, and, um, and, and the device itself is, is, is magnificent, you know. And I think that it's interesting if we, you know, Apple is the kind of company that doesn't necessarily always come up with something first. You look at the wireless charging and you look at the screen on this device, but they say they take something and then make it better and they improve it. So uh, this particular iPhone X, which is their, their flagship device, 
is um, fits in somewhere between the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus. In terms of physical cool. overall size, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But for me, the thing that stands out, Stephen, is, is not only the design and how beautiful this device is, but they've taken the screen and they've pushed it right against the edges. So they call it an edge-to-edge display, and it features a super AMOLED display. So which is a first, which is quite a big first for Apple. They've always stuck with their own sort of LCD technology, and this was quite a big jump for them. So just if if you know if if our listeners had not seen this phone or hadn't watched or not following it so directly, it is it is instantly recognizable as an Apple phone. Nicely curved and rounded, very similar at the back with a a dual camera array like the the 8 Plus or the 7 Plus. Um, But the big difference when you look at the front is that there's no home button and there's a screen that runs from the top to the bottom except for a little cutout. And we'll talk about that cutout in a minute. So so seriously amazing tech. It uses your face to unlock it. Aha. And I mean, that is quite... Look, we've had retina scan from um, Samsung up to now, which works pretty well. Struggles a bit in the dark. I must admit, I've tried it. Um, but overall, face scanning, true face scanning, hasn't actually been available in a consumer tech item. I know uh, Intel no. for years have been trying to promote it, and there are a couple of tablets and that with their th- sort of 3D scanning. But it was really interesting to to see the technology that they built into this iPhone X for face scanning. There was a projector. Give us a little insight into that. That was quite a big deal. Which uh, the, uh, the, the, well, they call it 3D face scanner, right? Yeah. Um, so it literally maps your face so that it can recognize it to unlock the device. So you simply hold the device up against your face. And I don't know what's more traumatic, people looking at me or this poor <laughs> camera that they still look at me, but, uh, you know. They've toughened the camera <laughs> to handle the Anastasias of this world. Don't it, you worry, Aki. It, it won't break. Phone, you know? Won't break. Um, it won't break. Yeah, so, so they've used that um, to, to unlock the phone, and it's got the same process as the, as the iPhone 8 and there's and a lot 8 of, Plus. And that's this new A11 Bionic. I love that. Uh, while we announced their Bionic processor at IFA, and now, funny that, um, Apple announced at their thing a Bionic processor. So they've added some sort of artificial intelligence or smarts to the processor that's way and above anything else they've ever done. And uh, exactly. according and I saw a benchmark yesterday, which puts the 8 and the 10 processor above uh, a MacBook Pro 2017. Can you believe the power? Can you believe the power in a phone? It's insane. But, I mean, who comes up with all these fancy names? Like, I mean, listen. <laughs> Marketers. Bi- 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 Bionic is nothing new, hey? So no, were, not at obviously all. obviously watching reruns of, of the Mon from Stahl from the 1970s. <laughs> On Showmax. Hey, that's the Bionic Man. Let's call our processor the Bionic Processor. It sounds cool, It sounds right? cool. No question. But the simple fact is, in sheer horsepower, there is no yep. mobile processor that is as powerful or as capable as the Apple processors. And another little teeny announcement that was hidden in that, and we're running out of time, so we're going to have to talk fast, is yes. that for the first time, they designed their own video processor from scratch. They didn't use anyone yes. else's. They com- have complete control over the video processor, too. So my opinion is we're going to see an absolute powerhouse of, 
of a device. The eight no, may be more no, than no. enough for everybody, but the ten yeah. will certainly, I mean, there's swiping and all sorts of stuff that we actually run out of time to talk about. Yeah. But your and the, opinion? And the augmented reality, Stephen, oh, and the augmented absolutely. reality, we didn't even touch on that as well. Too much to talk about. But the simple fact is, and I, I tend to agree, he made some bold claims, but there's no question they've taken a chance, got rid of the home button, taken a chance, stretched the screen to the edges, taken a chance, charged more than pretty much anyone else for a phone. And, um, and it definitely and does look like the next generation of phone. No doubt about it. And the first $1,000 phone. So let's say uh, quickly, uh, I know you're running out of time. What do you think it's going to go for in South Africa? Around about 25,000 Rand, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a hugely, hugely expensive phone. Well, anyway. It depends what our president does in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> this is a tech show. We do not talk politics here, but I agree with you 100%. Anyway, that was Aki Anastasio. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Always fascinating to talk tech with you. And we will chat soon. We'll be. Thanks so much, Aki. Cheers, Steve. Nice talking to you. Have a good day. Great stuff. You too. Well, we'll be back right after this. <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. So now, getting back to technology, now that you've done your shopping at Kosher World, um, iOS 11 is the next generation of operating system from Apple and will be launched on the 19th, which is Monday, this coming Monday. And if your phone is on and you're connected to Wi-Fi, it's a no-brainer. I've been through the whole beta program over the last couple of months. I've been using it. Um, luckily enough, we, the beta program users, got offered the final product as of Monday, yesterday, or Tuesday, yesterday. Uh, Tuesday, which was two days ago, not yesterday. I'm losing my, my handle on time. And there are a lot of, on the iPhone, apart from some really slick changes, certainly when you swipe up and see the collection of of things you can do there, it's all on one screen. It's much slicker and much easier. Overall, very fast, very smooth, seamless upgrade. I know a lot of people get very concerned about upgrades. They worry that they're going to lose their data. So back up, just as a, just as a precaution, back up your photos, back up your phone using iTunes, use it over the air. Whatever you do, save your photos to your your. Um, it's the only really important thing that you may or may not lose, and let the the um, let the update run. On the iPad, on the other hand, there's a huge change. The iPad takes a huge step with the, with iOS 11 towards being a proper computer. There's drag and drop. There's a files app, something that was missing from iOS completely. You could, if you you had to open the app to find the files that related to the app. Little little bit roundabout. Now you can open up the app or the the files app. Um, have a look for a file that you want. When you click on the file, it automatically opens up the right application to use it or edit it or view it in it's just a lot slicker and on the ipad you can then drag that file and drop it somewhere else you can put multiple things on the um, dock you can have more than four or five you can have a whole host of things and from there you can multitask so you can open up multiple programs they're all over on your screen it's just a huge huge improvement Um, so that's coming out on the 19th of uh, September next week, Monday, and it will be a free download to any iOS user. And I highly recommend for lots of reasons, apart from the new functionality, the slick new camera, the new camera app is just great. It's got some great new features. I'm not going into them now. Um, And overall, a lot of improvement across the entire 
Apple ecosystem. And it, it works extremely well, very fast, very smooth, um, great new operating system. There may or may not be a few bugs. I must tell you, even using the betas and onto the final now for two days, I've noticed very few apps that crash, very few problems. So it's just a great uh, update. Obviously, we'll come out on the new phones, the 8s and the, and the 10 when they come out. But right now, for all of you who've got an existing 567, I think the 4 is no longer uh, um, catered for. And the 5, the standard 5 with the normal physical button is no longer catered for. But from the 5S onwards, iOS 11 will work. It's fully 64-bit, and that's why the older devices won't work with it. So anything, I think the iPad 3 upwards and the iPad Mini 2 upwards are all 64-bit will get iOS 11. So keep your eye on, open it. It's it's about a 2-gig download, so Wi-Fi is a must unless you've got tons and tons of mobile data. Now, my gadget of the week, this is my one of my favorite parts of the show, is the new Nokia 8. Now, Nokia as many of you will recall, and I even mentioned it in the in the days when, 10 years ago when the iPhone was introduced, Nokia were the king. They had about a 52% market share. They made more phones, and as they brought out their brand new phones, the communicator, whatever it was, people just rushed out and bought them. And they really did own the roost. They had some really good quality phones. People pretty much loved using them, and Nokia's name was totally and utterly synonymous with mobile. Well, how times have changed. Ten years later, Nokia in a very different form, having been through uh, a huge transition, landed up at Microsoft, Microsoft shut them down, sold off the name, are back in Finland as a pretty much a new startup. They're owned by a Chinese company called HMD, but the entire design, development, and uh, marketing team sits in Espoo in Finland, where they're back to their roots. And pretty much the local team in South Africa are the same guys who sold Nokia back when they were number one. And they've introduced a whole range of new products, the 356 and now their flagship 8. Now, the flagship 8 is a really interesting device. It's a 5.2-inch smartphone, very similar-looking and vanilla-looking in terms of phones. It's got a, a solid Gorilla Glass 5 front. It's got a really interesting dual Zeiss camera. And they're back with their collaboration with Zeiss on the back. And apart from that, very, very elegant um, antenna lines, top and bottom, aluminium back, very simple, clean, easy-to-use device with a, a really good fingerprint sensor built in. It's not quite bezel-less like some of the other flagships out there. Um, and overall, great specs. Comes with 64 gig of memory, um, 4 gig of RAM, which is the operating memory, and it uses the latest Qualcomm 835 chip, very much like all the other flagships out there. The Sony's, um, Samsung's use the, the equivalent Samsung processor, the, the Galaxy S8 in this country, but it's equivalent to the 835. And the 835 has two things, many things going for it, but the two standouts are one battery life, so it's got a 3000 milliamp hour battery, should easily get you through a day, and in fact it did. I mean, I used it extremely heavily yesterday, and by 7 o'clock it was beeping me to say it was running out of juice, which is not a big problem. Um, but overall, they have pitched this device as a flagship at a much more affordable price. And for the most part, I would say 95% of the way, they have actually achieved their goal. The compromises are slightly apparent. One, the build quality is superb. It's very nicely built. It 
beautifully finished, but it doesn't feel quite as premium as an iPhone. It certainly doesn't have the sort of weight and heft of a Galaxy um, S8. So it doesn't feel quite as premium as the top-end phones. And um, I'll come back. I'm sorry, I've just been waved at. We've got a quick break for an ad, and then I'll come back with the balance of my review on the new Nokia 8, which is available right now, funny enough, in the stores, and I'll tell you the price straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Um, back to the new Nokia 8. The Nokia 8 is going to retail under 10,000 Rand for a phone that spec for spec is pretty much the equivalent of all the other top-end devices out there. Fingerprint reader, high-resolution screen, not quite, and this is where the compromises come in. The screen is excellent. It really is. It's more than high-resolution enough for the vast majority of people. You will not notice that it's slightly less sharp than the top-end Galaxy S8 and the Sonys, um, even slightly maybe less colorful than the Apples. But the fact is the screen is really good, and it, but it is one of the compromises. It's not as bright, it's not as sharp, and it's not as punchy as the other top-end OLED-type screens or even some of the LG screens in a similar, like the G6. It also has a very standard aspect ratio, the normal 18 by 9, um, as well as fairly large bezels, top and bottom. Those are the ones where they hide it. But on this phone, they've done a good job because the fingerprint reader is right in the center at the bottom, which is clever, and you don't lose any screen real estate to an on-screen button like some of the other Android devices. The one standout feature of the Nokia 8 is that it runs 100% pure vanilla Android. So your phone, and this phone in particular, is right up to date. As Android releases its um, updates, security patches, improvements, they get pushed down. The other thing is there's no bloatware or any other programs installed. It's pure vanilla Android. So it makes the phone incredibly snappy. There's nothing that I've used that doesn't run really well. It's fast. It's fluid. It's simple to use. I quite like standard Android. There's no frills. There's no fuss. There's no feature that I'm missing. And I must say in the, in the, in the, the few days that I've been using it, I've been really impressed. The voice recognition with, with Google Assistant is excellent. It really works really well. I'm not going to say the words because if I do, the phone will listen to me and try to respond. Um, and overall, an exceptional package for reasonable money. As I said, very few compromises. The screen is one of them. The build quality, perhaps the heft of the device is the other. Um, and perhaps the camera, um, this I must mention, the Zeiss camera is really very, very, very good. I haven't done and I haven't spent enough time in difficult conditions taking pictures, but its low light ability is not quite as good as the flagship cameras out there, but it's pretty close. And in normal conditions, it is really really, really good. It's a dual camera setup, which is really cool. Um, it's a black and white camera and a color camera, and the two together bring really pictures to life. I've been very impressed with the speed, and this is the only real change from vanilla Android. The camera app is a collaboration between Nokia and Zeiss, and is a lot better, in my opinion, than the camera app that exists in vanilla Android. Even Android on their own Pixel phone have a camera app that is not quite the same as everyone else. So intelligent, I think there was a very smart update. I don't believe it will delay updates to the 
device at any point in time. But I really do believe that it's very, very, very important that you have a device that is always up to date, always running the latest software. And Nokia have always promised this. So I'm going to go more in depth over the next couple of weeks as I'm using the Nokia 8 to try to see what's going on. But my summation is very simple. If you're looking for a top-end phone at under 10,000 Rand that has all the bells and whistles, super fast, always up-to-date operating system, and great support from Nokia, who know how to do these things, then the Nokia 8 may just be the phone that you are looking for. And on that note, I'm almost getting physically pushed out of the studio right now because we've run out of time. It's just too much to talk about. Some That's technology for you. It just never stands still. So thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. And uh, more news, more updates, more excitement. Unfortunately, not next week, but the week after. This is Stephen Ambrose right here on Tech Talk on High FM.